The following is a hoop ball presentation. What's up, Grizz Nation? Welcome to the show. This is a special. We're doing a co-show. We're going to preview the next Grizzlies game is Saturday, tomorrow, today. I guess depending on when you're listening to the episode. Grizz, Pels, in New Orleans, and I've got Mr. Lyle with and Bank with me. He is the host of the Hoop Ball Pelicans podcast. Lyle, welcome to the show, man. Thanks for having me. Uh, good to be here. Uh, going to be a big game to uh, to have a chat about. Good Pels win. Yeah, yeah. You guys are coming coming in on a win streak, and the Grizzlies are not looking good right now. The good good news is we got some of the cavalry coming back for this game, so. Uh, I'm hoping that it's it's interesting tomorrow. At least I, I don't want it to be lopsided, like the three games from last season. Yeah, well, fingers crossed that it, it sort of goes along that same way for Pell's fans. But um, I think it's going to be a fantastic matchup. Like you, uh, we chatted off air. You said uh, JV might be coming back, and um, he's gonna he's gonna be a bit of a test for uh, Big Stephen Adams because they're both big units, and it's gonna be a good wrestle. But uh, Second night of a back-to-back uh, for the Pels, and um, I won't put a little asterisk next to it yet in case we, uh, we get absolutely smashed, but um, it's going to be a belter of a game. It's going to be really good. Are you making excuses already? Is that what I hear? Uh, you can never be too careful, uh, you, with a, especially as a Pels fan. You can never be too careful. You've got to make excuses before we go in. I, yeah, I get it, man. You know what? The the one thing that I'm looking at, you know, JV and Adams, I'm I'm super super glad that JV is going to be back for this game because of Adams and how well he can rebound the ball and especially on the uh, you know offensive end. But I, I'm looking at the Grizzlies roster and the guys that are healthy, and I'm wondering who they're going to match up against Zion. You know, Kyle Anderson has been starting at the four without Jaron being there. And I just, um, I don't know. I'm kind of questioning. I'm, I'm wondering how well Kyle is going to match up against Zion. Well, it's going to be a test. I mean, Zion has been going well against smaller defenders, but again, Kyle, Kyle Anderson's been pretty good. You know, he's had a really good season and, um, it's, it, stopping Zion, I think, for any team is, by committee. I don't think you can have one guy that's going to try to lock him down because he's just too strong. And he gets to the will at rim, uh, uh, gets to the rim at will, pardon me. And, uh, you know, he's, uh, he's a phenomenal talent, but, uh, you're just going to have to throw bodies at him and, and just hope for the best. Get it out of his hands before he can turn and, and dunk all over you. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. He, he does, uh, does plenty of that for sure. I actually, I want to kind of turn this a little bit before we go too much further. Mm-hmm. I, I want to know your take on this. So, I've kind of, you know, been back and forth kind of w- with a few different people about this. Heading into this season, with the moves that the Pelicans made, how did you feel? Did you feel that the Pelicans were going to have a better record this season or about the same? Where where was your mindset heading into this season after, you know, you lose a guy that had been a part of the franchise for quite a few years and like you, you don't really replace him, and yeah, you, you get Stephen Adams, you you get an upgrade there, pretty good upgrade there, but you lose a guy like Drew Holiday. How did you think that the Pels were going to do this year 
after the moves that they that were made in the off season. I mean, it's it's difficult because it was similar to the year before where we brought in well David Griffin had joined Trajan Langdon had joined the year previously. Um, they basically gave Alvin Gentry one more year, but added in well, I think it was eight new players. We sort of did that again this year. I know we traded Drew Holiday. He's at the stage in his career where it was like, you're not going to win a championship here, and we're realistic about that. You're going to have to go somewhere else and, and try to win one. So I flogged him off to the Bucks and got uh, a wealth of um, picks and pick swaps. And, yeah, we were really, really fortunate with that uh, return. But we also added a couple of new young blokes. Um, you know, the bench basically got completely rebuilt. Bledsoe came in, Stephen Adams came in. It, it makes it really different. We get a healthy Zion as well, uh, even more importantly. I think you have to assume that it's going to be a better season, and I think with all the hype that uh, Stan Van Gundy brought with him, that he'd had a few years off and he was refreshed and he was ready to go and we're going to play defense instead of just trying to run to, uh, teams off the court by uh, outscoring them. And it's been a bit of an adjustment, and I think that reflects the standing so far. I honestly don't think we've seen the best of this team yet, and I think the home stand that we just had was so important for consistency, working on the defensive sets, learning new plays, because we went on a 14 game, a 14 day road trip, and in this COVID era where you can't socialise with one another, you can't do anything besides sit in your hotel room, train or play, it makes it really, really difficult to build chemistry. And so these guys haven't had the the ability to actually get to know one another and, and learn together. You know, there wasn't a huge, uh, I suppose, off-season to actually learn all of that. And training camp was rushed and the season was delayed. And I think you have to take it with a grain of salt in terms of the Pelicans' development. Um but to see the guys starting to pull things together, especially in the last three games, the defensive mindset has been different, and we're letting defense turn into offense, which is a lot easier to do than letting offense um, attempt to turn into defense. You just can't really do it. You can you can outshoot teams, but you can't you know defend always um, as easily. It doesn't come as quick. You have to you have to actually work to to defend. Um, so it's been a bit of a teething. Issues there has been a, like the youth factor and, and the like, but overall we assume it'll be a better year. I think the play-in spot is probably where we're at, which is similar to last year. But I don't think we're going to reinvent the wheel and make a charge up the uh, up the standings into the playoffs uh, proper. And um, we'll see what happens. I'm happy to be proven wrong. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely, man. That's for, for me, Stan. He is. He's proven that he could win, you know, like he, wherever he's been, he's, he's been a winning coach. So I, I think that that was a great hire for the Pelicans. There were, um, oh man, I just lost his name. There were, there were talks of a different coach getting hired at one point. I think that it may not have been legitimate talks. It may have just been Grizzlies fans trying to wish it on the Pelicans, but you know, oh man, I can't believe I lost his name. I, I will get it as we move on later on in the uh, Fizdale, I think, was a name that came up at one point. Yeah, he um, was floated. Yeah. Jason Kidd was another one. Um, there was a few a few different ones, and we were sitting there going, no, not them. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I, I think Fizdale is a, a, 
a great basketball mind. I just don't know that he's a head coach. You know, he, he's not really, he hasn't been anywhere. He, so one thing that he did do is he turned Mark Gasol into a three point shooter. Mm. You know, that, that was a positive. That was something that Mark was not doing, uh, before Fisdale, but you know, he hasn't been able to win where, you know, he, he's yeah. been on staffs where they have won, they won titles and, you know, great basketball mind, but that doesn't always translate into a great head coach. But yeah, that's, uh, I remember when his name was floated, like Grizzlies fans are like, please, please for, yes, yes, that's who you need to hire. And I'm just sitting here thinking, I'm like, man, I hope that the front office down there is a little bit smarter than that. And they were, you know, I think that, um, I can't think of anybody that would have been a better hire at this point for de- development and winning. I, I think Van Gundy is, is the right guy. Was there anyone that they had their eye on or that was talked about that you would have preferred to have over Van Gundy? Uh, I think as soon as Stan was floated, um, that seemed to be the consensus amongst most people. I think we're all like, yeah, go and get him. Great teacher, a good winner, builds a good culture. He's, outspoken in a way that in social media and, and in uh, real life, you know, he's happy to, to deal with the social justice issues. He's happy to give his take. And that's refreshing in an age where everything is sort of seen through a lens or it's censored or it's, um, you know, everyone's too um, afraid to upset someone. You, you need that. And I think these young guys have really benefited from having a coach that's just going to tell them how it is. If you're not playing well, you can sit on the bench. You know, if, if you're, if you're not going to, uh, perform and you're not going to do what I say, we can sit on the bench and you can sit. And I mean, he did it to JJ Reddick. JJ wasn't performing. We dragged him for four games. He didn't play. Um, and they called it rest, but it was also, I think, to see whether or not they could flip him before the, uh, aggregation, um, or re-aggregation deadline, which is just passed as well. So that he could be traded and then potentially traded again by the next team. But, uh, they didn't end up trading him. He's now come back in. He started playing well. You know, that's one of Stan Van Gundy's guys. He's known him for, what, 15 years. And mm-hmm. he benched him for, for four games. How do you how do you do that to your vet? Um, you know, that's the sort of guy that you need. And it shows that no one is above anyone else. If you're not going to perform, then you can sit down. And you can practice and practice and improve and get yourself completely right before you get to earn your minutes back. And um, I think that's been really good. And especially for the young guys, they would have only heard about this guy. Like, Zion's 20 years old. When Stan Van Gundy was doing his prime, like, Dwight Howard stuff, what would he have been? Like, 10? You know, yeah, you're sitting yeah. there going, this guy hasn't seen him at his at his best. So to learn from a guy that they only know by name and as a, um, you know, a guru, I suppose, um, it's been it's been really beneficial. And I think Stan... He's still figuring it out how to play in the modern NBA a little bit, and he had a bit of time off as an analyst. But overall, he's doing all right, and um, the guys are, go- are only going to be better players because of it. Yeah, I think a lot of times as fans of the game, we get hung up on the record. So for the Grizzlies, they're in the second year of a rebuild, mm. and as a fan, as a Grizzlies fan – like I'm bought in. I like I I want them to win. I want them to be in the playoffs. And I'm not uh and I'll never be a we have to make a win now move because I don't think they're there. But it, it's good to be okay, we're second year of a rebuild. 
and these guys are playing fantastic basketball, we need to win. We need to win. And so when you see that, you know, the Grizzlies are, I think it was nine and seven, nine and eight after that loss last night, um, nine and eight and, and the Pels are nine and 12. So, so you look at that as a fan and you're like, man, that, that's not that good. We're not doing great. But then if you step back and, and, and just take the record off the table and watch what these guys are doing, it's got to bring you joy, man. For me, the biggest thing that I've seen this year for the Grizzlies is Dylan Brooks growth. And there, mm. there have been like, don't get me wrong. There's plenty of things that you can point out that he still does wrong. He, he's, he's a young guy. He's, you know, he's a little older than some of the, you know, the, the, the core of the team, I guess he would be part of it, but he's been here for a little bit now, but he's still learning. He's still young enough that he's learning the game. And I watch him. You go back and you watch games from the bubble and, you know, he's driving in, he's pulling up over three guys. And instead of looking, you know, Oh, Hey, I've got three guys on me. Somebody's open. Instead of looking for the opening man, the open man, he was just firing away. And Mm. this year, I'm, I'm watching him make passes that he never would have made last year. And that's huge development. And I, I think that you could say the same thing for guys with the Pelicans is, you know, even though the record is nine and 12 and that's not where you want to be as a fan of the team, you're like, okay, our roster is better than this. We can be better than this, but you can watch guys and what they're doing and be like, okay, you know, we're seeing growth here. We're watching you know, Zion learn, you know, the, the different things that he has to do to be effective or we're watching whoever it is, you know, the, the um, I think how much has um, Lewis played? I know there's been, I yeah, see no on Twitter. Okay. I didn't know if he was seeing, but you know, I know um, uh, Alexander Walker, he's been on the court more this year. So you're seeing mm-hmm. development from these young guys. And for these two teams who, uh, in probably the pretty near future are going to have championship aspirations. Like you want to see the development and I'm, I'm happy with what I'm seeing from the Grizzlies, even though I would like for their record to be better. Are you seeing some of that uh, from, from the Pelicans? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we saw a big game from Nikhil Alexander Walker, a few, ooh, it would have been a few games ago against the uh, Clippers dropped 37 points. And you see that and you go, He's got that killer instinct in him. It's just getting the confidence. And it's just about reps. I think you're exactly right. These young guys just need to be realistic as to, well, I think the teams and the fans need to be realistic as to where you are. Um, I mean, we're the same. We're in a rebuild as well. We traded Drew Holiday. We've now got Zion, who's 20. We've got Brandon Ingram, who's 23. Um, you know, that's your, your two building blocks. You don't have to win now. You've got both of them for the next four, five years. Um, you can swing for the fences. There's been a whole heap of hype about going after Bradley Beal. And, you know, if we were to do that, the expectation goes from, okay, well, let's scrape into the playoffs to we need to start winning. We need to start making some real noise in the West. And the West is stacked. Yeah. There's still the bloke yeah. called LeBron at the top, you know. <laughs> yes, you get, yeah. It's going to be hard to get past him. So it'll be interesting to see. Man, that is that the Bradley Bill conversation has been, you know, like all over. You, you see, you watch the games and kind of his body language and he's saying all of the right things of, you know, I want to be in Washington. This is where I want to be. But then they keep losing. 
And, you know, Grizzlies fans are the same way. You know, get Beal on Beal, Beal on Beal. And I'm like, I don't think you all realize what type of assets you're going to have to get up, give up mm. to get a guy like that. And, you know, Bill is, I think, I want to say he's 26 years old, maybe 25. Uh, yeah, 27, I think he is at the moment. Is 27. Yeah. You know, I mean, so he, he's still young enough that he could, you know, you could pair him with these guys, either one of these cores and, and be a great fit. But I don't think that either one of these teams are ready for that. And, and, the the fans that are really pushing for that don't understand, you know, for the Grizzlies to land somebody like that, you're probably giving up. I would say Dylan Brooks and Brandon Clark are a starting mm. point for that trade. Yeah. And when you give those two guys up, and there's plenty of Grizzlies fans that would just flat out sell Dylan Brooks for a bag of Cheetos and a candy bar. <laughs> but you know, like he, he brings positive things to this team. You know, you're looking at those two guys and then plus future picks and, and a ton of them with what you, you know, you watch what uh, Drew, you know, what the Pelicans hauled in for Drew. You can only imagine what the Wizards are going to be asking for. The buying price would be to land Bradley Bill. And I think, you know, for the Pelicans, they, either one of these teams, they would be giving up entirely too many assets to, make a what I would see as a win now move. Yeah, and that's that's what makes it difficult is that is your team, is the supporting cast ready to become part of a win now team? And yeah, okay, you go and mortgage your future on it and you say, all right, well, how many wins is Bradley Beal worth? Is so we give up Brandon Clark, we give up Dylan Brooks, we give up a couple of picks, um, I don't know, say so they make you throw in something else to match a bit of salary, maybe Gorgie Ding or someone like that. Yeah. He goes as well. You've cleared out. You've basically emptied it for this one guy. And then you finish eighth. Yeah. And then you're, uh, now, oh man, you know, if we would have had Brandon on this roster, maybe we, we could get there. Mm. And, you know, you've got guys that are coming up in free agency when the Grizzlies are going to have quite a bit of cap space. One guy just got traded to the Rockets and, you know, uh, Sam and I had done a show about Victor Oladipo when he had, mm. you know, voiced his displeasure within Indiana. Like, bring him to Memphis. That's a guy, you know, he's, he's going into free agency. They could easily wait till he gets into free agency and, and he may go to a large market team. It's probably more likely that he goes to a large market team than comes to Memphis. But I'm like, I'm willing to wait and take a shot at getting a guy in free agency with the guys that we have, because one of the big positives for the Grizzlies, right? You know, they're, they're nine and eight and they're missing their second best player. And you don't know where justice is going to slot in there. You know, he, he's going to be a rotation guy. You would think anyway, and they're deep. They've got, you know, probably 12 guys that deserve to be on the floor any given night. And Jenkins is going to stay with a 10 man rotation even if it buries him, you know, I, I've, he is, I guess, faithful to a, uh, to, to a fault it would maybe be the, the, the right term to use there, but stubborn, stubborn, I guess is probably a better way to go. But yeah, you know, it's, uh, I don't know. It, for me, for the Grizzlies at this point, I don't, I don't think a move for a, uh, Bradley Bill or Zach Levine has been thrown around as well. 
you know, the the price to land either one of those guys right now, I'm not willing to pay it. Yeah, and it makes it difficult. You know, I can see the Pelicans wanting to do it, and I can probably see it marry up a bit better with them purely because what you're giving up is not a foundational piece. All right, so if we go to the Pelicans roster and say you want to swing for the fences for Beal, you're giving up a couple of picks. We already got a whole heap from the Bucks, and, and you know, we've got six or seven picks owed, first-round picks owed in the next, I don't know, four years or something. And so you flog a couple of those off, and then you just, you're filling it up. So we'd probably have to give up Nicola Melli. See ya, no dramas. Um, probably Nikhil Alexander-Walker, which people are, some people are on the fence about. Jackson Hayes would have to go. But this is your next wave of people you know this is your this is your core coming through you're giving mm-hmm. up a year of development for the potential that you could get into the playoffs um bradley beal what has he proven on his own do you know what i mean like i think he's yeah. a phenomenal player and it's not to criticize him because his supporting cast is trash he yeah. hasn't performed in the in the east you know he himself has but his team hasn't so does mortgaging the future on a guy that isn't a hundred... It's not like going after LeBron. It's not like a guy that you put LeBron in any team, you're going to make the finals. Do you know what I mean? He's right. a phenomenal player, but do you swing for the fences? I don't know. I'm, I'm out on it. But I suppose if he presents, you, it's about accumulating good players, isn't it? So, uh, I don't know. I'm on the fence. If, if we can get him, I'll happily cheer for him because he'll be great. But, uh, yeah, yeah. you know... It's it seems difficult. like you, you and I are, are pretty, you know, pretty close on the same page as far as, you know, he's not a guy that I would root against them getting. Yeah. But the price has to be right. And the yeah. going price for guys, especially star players at this point, has been outrageous. I could not believe whenever I saw that Drew Holiday trade, I'm like, man, I love Drew Holiday and, and I know what he brings to the table. And I'm just like, Man, like mm-hmm. you, you see what what the Pels got for him. Do you have any idea? Like you know, B- Bill, who knows, man? It, it's just I'm good with it if they go and they get him. Just don't want to mortgage the entire future for a guy yeah. that's not playoff proven. You know, like you say, he's he's a great player, but you you don't know what he's going to do in the playoffs if he's going to have the ability to carry a team to the next level. So let's look at this matchup a little bit more. We've been kind of bouncing around and, and I wanted to, like I said, I definitely wanted to know where you were at after the Drew Holiday trade. And, you know, that was definitely a good conversation. But, um, so for you, looking at Pell's Grizz here as a Pelicans guy, what's the one thing that you're watching for from the Grizzlies? So I suppose what I want to see from the Grizz, um, the what I want to exploit, is uh, I suppose that big matchup with Stephen Adams. If he can outmuscle JV early, I mean, historically, JV hasn't liked a lot of contact, I suppose. Now, I think since he's been at Grizz, he's been a, a completely different player. Um, you know, the Raptors, he was always criticised for being a bit soft. He has turned the corner, but I want Stephen Adams to just go at him because if we can disrupt that bloke and get a few fouls on him, we'll... we'll cruise through this one because I think he's the biggest threat because he's such a big unit and he disrupts shots. Um, you know, I think the Grizz play better when he is playing well 
And if you're going to get 20 and 10 from him, um, it makes it really difficult if you're not going to keep him accountable. So that, I think, is going to be a, a Jar Morant um, revenge game on himself. You know, he tweeted after the game, uh, number 12's got to be better. Um, I don't want to see an angry Jar Morant. I think he... I just think he's going to be an absolute terror tomorrow, and he's had a night to think about it and stew on it. We'll be coming off a, a win that we scraped out of, and I think the Pels are going to underest. Well, you know, they might come in and just think, oh, well, we just had a win, so we'll just go and win again. You know, it's so easy to settle in, oh, look at us win, um, instead of actually going and earning it. And I think if you sleep on this Grizzlies team, you, they're going to slap you. And... um Oh, I don't know. I'm, I'm nervous about this one. I'm, I'm going to keep claiming uh, we're on the second night of a back-to-back because uh, <laughs> I, I, I have a, a bad feeling um, yeah. about this game. But uh, I think it's a danger game, and I yeah. think the Pels might get ahead of themselves unless That's we right. stick uh, to our... I will just hold on to the – you can hold on to the second night of a back-to-back, and I'm going to hold on to the injury thing. We're, we're both covered <laughs> here. <laughs> Whatever happens, happens. We, we've got a reasoning as to why it happened. Exactly. So it's going to be an interesting matchup. The, you know, I would, I was hoping that the Grizzlies would carry their win streak into this game, just because you know when you're coming in on a win streak, coming in off of a win in general, I think that you could be a little more up, a little you know ready for the game and and wanting to keep that win streak going. But you know, I, coming off of a tough a tough loss like the Grizzlies had the other night, they uh, that that may be just enough to fire them up as well. So. Dylan Brooks has played well for them the last couple of games. Definitely going to need him to, to play well. You know, you have um, Josh Hart is a guy that mm. I've really learned to love watching, man. I, I like the way that he plays the game. He is, man, I, I would say I was going to hold back, but I, I was like, he's probably the best rebounding guard in the league, man. He is phenomenal positional rebounder and yeah. you know like the not just the rebounding that you know his work on the defensive end tonight's game you know at the end of the game you know he goes on the floor to go after that ball you know Lonzo makes a, a great stop defensively at the the end you know goes up on on Turner straight up and, and makes him alter his shot and he misses it and then Hart's diving on the floor he does all of the um he reminds me of a uh, a grit and grind. I think that Hart is wearing the wrong jersey, man. He, he should be a grit and grind grizzly. No, we want to keep him. Um, well, <laughs> apparently we don't want to keep him enough because we didn't. The biggest upset of the end of the uh, extension deadline is that he didn't get one. Um, they couldn't meet on a figure. I think we tried to, I don't know, pay him in the mid sixty million um, overall, and I think he's. Probably wanted a bit more than that. Um, I can understand why his stat, the stuff, you, you, like, I mean, we both play a bit of fantasy basketball. You have a look at his stats, and they're not that impressive. Rebounding numbers are good for a guard, but it's mm-hmm. the, the intangibles that he that doesn't show up on a on a stat sheet. You know, he he'll dive for a loose ball, he'll stick an arm out, and you know, the ball will come off the bloke's leg and go out of bounds. The hustle, the rebounding, um, the help defense. The ability to know, to do the stuff that not everyone does, to know his role. And I think Stan Van Gundy absolutely just loves him because he knows what he is. He knows what type of player he is. He's an absolute, I don't know, bulldog, I suppose, with the, with the ball, um, on an on-ball defender. He is just, he's just really good. And if that, 
three-point shot starts falling, he becomes one of the best 3 and D players in the, in the league. I'll say that like now. He, if that becomes a consistent three-point shooter, Josh Hart is going to be just an absolute weapon. And, um, even more so than he is now. But, uh, yeah, I cannot, I will, yeah, especially the game today where he came up and got that rebound and then called the timeout. Oh my lord. That was, um, yeah, he that was something else. So no, knowing the situation, hustling, getting to where he, uh, where he needed to be. Mm. Yeah, I, I really, really, you know, I don't know if, uh, as a Grizzlies guy, I'm allowed to have a favorite Pelican, but, uh, it, it, it's not one of the big name guys for me. It's, it's Josh Hart. Just, Absolutely love the way that that guy plays the game. And I actually, you're you talking about fantasy. I've got a little bit of a troll team name. Um, I, so I, I got into a dynasty team, a dynasty league this year for the first time. And uh, I took over. At, we actually drafted. There were three open teams and me and two other guys jump in. So we drafted from the available players. And, um, so you, you can imagine going into a dynasty league, what kind of crap was out there. Mm-hmm. And so I ended up, uh, got lucky enough. Donovan Mitchell was one of the guys and I got the first pick out of the three. So I got him, but outside of him, there, there wasn't much at the, uh, the top of that draft left. So I started moving guys and Josh Hart was one that I moved. I, I traded, uh, Dennis Schroeder straight across for Josh Hart. And there were guys in the league just throwing a fit. They're like, what are you doing? And I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm not playing win now. Hart is younger and I like him. And so, you know, there's a, a guy that likes to talk trash. And so I, I switched my team name to, uh, Josh Hart is the goat. <laughs> just to, <laughs> just to troll that guy. Just, you know, cause he was, uh, you know, just being honestly belligerent about it. Like just you know, saying crazy stuff. And I'm like, mm. what, you know, I got into a huge crybaby league, but you know, I, I do that. Like I, obviously I don't think that he is the goat, but you know, he, I do love mm. the way that he plays the game, the defense, the rebounding for the position, hustle, all that stuff. And, you know, the Grizzlies got a guy that, that I love for all the same reasons in Dylan Brooks. And, you know, there's, I, I don't know if the, uh, the Pelicans fans have the tendency to, try to tear a player down, but man, the, the Grizzlies fans, I said that they, there are plenty of them that would be happy if the Grizzlies just moved Dylan Brooks out of town. And I, I cannot wrap my mind around that. Yeah, it's tough. And you know, Josh Hart, I think is one of the few guys that sort of rises above it all. No one really goes at Josh Hart because they can see if you watch Pelicans games, you know how much he brings. Um, and the casual fan doesn't know him well enough to like criticize him, I guess. I think if you had have got a max contract or something like that, people, the, the casual fan would start cracking a sad, but you know, he, he brings so much. I always call him on the show, the heart and the soul of the team, which I mean is a bit cringe, but uh, <laughs> it's exactly what he is. Like when he plays well, we win. He's, he's a real guy off the bench that just plays with so much toughness and heart and, um, hustle every night. He brings 100% leaves it on the field. And, um, it's all you can ask for. I hope it, it's good when it channels into the rest of the team, but, uh, not always the case. But guys like that, they don't come along every, every draft. You know, you don't get these guys that, um, care more about winning than they do about themselves or the individual stats these days. And, um, he's one of them. I think Dylan Brooks is a similar sort of player. He, he likes to, uh, do the stuff that not everyone's keen on doing. 
Absolutely, man. So we're, uh, I guess we're probably right around the 30 minute mark, man. I, I don't want to keep you on much longer. Again, I appreciate you coming on. I, right. I want to get into this and then, you know, you can let us, let everybody know where they can find you and then we'll, we'll get out of here. But, uh, the, the Pelicans have been wearing the Grizzlies out as of late. The overall matchup, the head to head over the history, the Pelicans are up, uh, seven games. I think it's somewhere it's like 37 to 30, um, for the overall history matchup. But the Pelicans have won five of the last six. The last Grizzlies win was two years ago. It was February of 2019. It's about time for that streak to come to an end. We need to, uh, to make that happen because you're coming off the second game of a back to back. Yeah, exactly. That's the asterisk. So we'll take that. We'll, we'll, I'll hold tight onto that little asterisk that we're coming off the second night of a back to back. But you know, these guys, we're on a win streak now. We've won two in a row. We should have won against the Kings. Uh, but for, uh, De'Aaron Fox turning on in the last quarter and absolutely smoking us. But, um, you know, we'll see what happens. It'll be good. Uh, it's been great coming on. Thanks very much for having me. It's always fun, man. I, I wish that we could do these more, but, uh, you know, the way the schedule is, we just don't get a chance. So surely in the second half, we will see the Pelicans again, I would imagine, mm, and we yeah, can get back sure. after it. Yeah, for sure. No, it's always good fun. Um, yeah, no, appreciate you, you having me on, and it's always good to chat uh, Pels and Grizz, well, I think we'll always be linked with, with John's eye on. I think uh, the fan bases will always uh, have that um, connection because of those guys. Yeah, one and two in the draft. And, you know, mm. I say it's just a crazy thing to me that the uh, the fans got to try to drive those guys apart because it's not – it's all love between those two for sure. So it's good. Absolutely. It's good to create – I love rivalry. I love the rivalry games. And, you know, because of – the two teams having, you know, probably two two of the most exciting young cores in the game right now. It's going to be probably uh, great matchups yeah, for quite absolutely. a few I years think here. Both of them, yeah, yeah, 100% agree. It's going to be exciting for the uh, the next few years, particularly in the West, and when the top end starts aging and packing it up. You know, there's got to be the the next lot coming through, and um, I think the Pills and the Grizz are going to be right up there. Is LeBron going to dominate until he's 50, man? I don't think he's ever going to go, is he? Man, I, I just like, and obviously, I say at his age, like he's just a dinosaur. And in NBA, you know, at the in the NBA age, I guess he kind of is, but it's just unbelievable. Eighteen seasons, he is still playing MVP caliber basketball. Yeah. So, yeah. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Eight, All right, so eight, we won't go off. Of, so let everybody know where they can find you. Tell them about your show, and uh, then we'll get out of here, man. No. Oh. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's uh, at Lyle Swithenbank, L-Y-L-E-S-W-I-T-H-E-N-B-A-N-K. Yep, it sounds more complex than it is, um, just how it sounds. Uh, at Hoopball Pels is the show, Pelican Scoop. Um, yeah, we just basically get a show out after every game. Lots of fun, lots of guests. Um, and, of course, you'll be featuring on the uh, the post-game this after the uh, the good uh, Pels Pacers win. So, uh, yeah. Thank you it very much fun. for having me. Man, are you Good. still doing your uh, your fantasy thing? I know at one point you were doing the uh, the Saturday Night Lyle. Is that still going down? Or are you yeah. uh, did did you get away from that at this point? I haven't done it for a little while. Um, yeah, it's it's been difficult with all the uh, the COVID and the like. I suppose. Um, you know, with I suppose your weekends kind of 
get hit a little bit when you're doing a live show every Sunday morning. But, um, yeah, we might get back into it maybe next season. Uh, at the moment, I've been throwing a bit more into the Pels and uh, we'll get Saturday Night Lyle back in uh, yeah, when, I, when I'm a bit more uh, time-free, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Sounds good, man. Guys, you know what it is. I'm at DWL2111. The show is at Hootball Grizz. Come and find us. Go follow Lyle. He's a great follow, even though the Pelicans suck. Oh, oh. <laughs> uh, thanks for tuning in. Until next time, go Grizz. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.